You're listening to the Morning Zoo Cucumber Crew, your drive time radio family with Kid Midas, Starley Quinn, and Long John Silver. Weather on the ones and traffic on the tens with Helicopter Tony. The American cucumbers are looking truly bountiful this morning. The only show that goes toe-to-toe with all the news you need to know. 10,000 topics per hour, guaranteed commercial-free. Sponsored in part by Frog Princess Salad Bar, home of the three C's, cocaine, cucumbers, and chaos. Kids eat free until 4 a.m. Welcome to Election Topic Tacklers, your guide to winning and losing money on the 2020 election and other related atrocities. I'm Kid Midas, and I'm joined by Starly Quinn. Hi, Starly. Hi. And Long John Silver in Orange County, North Carolina. Hi, Long John. Hey, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to start with some breaking news, which is that all news is now breaking. It is nonstop breaking news in the United States of America right now. We are going to tackle more topics per episode than any other podcast has ever tackled. Guinness Book of World Records, most topics tackled in a single podcast episode. Nothing but topics. This is your home for breaking news and topic tackling, bludgeoning your face with nonstop newsworthy topics. Starley and John, are you ready for this historic journey? Yeah. Yes. Topic number one. John? You had a very interesting bet last week. Why don't you tell us about what happened? I bet that Steve King would not be reelected, and uh, he lost in the primary. So he's definitely not going to be reelected in the upcoming November elections because he's not even going to be running. And what state is that, John? That is uh, Iowa. He's in the 5th District of Iowa. Uh, Republican, notorious, outward, racist. Um, So racist that actually the NRCC wanted him gone, and he is gone now. So you made some money on that. Yeah, I made $42. Boom. Topic number one already tackled. Get that topic (laughs) out of here. We move on to the next topic. Starly, what was your bet last week? I bet on, I I just invested in Val Demings and Keisha Lance Bottoms. In addition to having shares in Kamala Harris. As of right now, Keisha Lance Bottoms is up four cents. Val Demings is holding steady. Kamala is soaring. She's at 47 cents right now. What happened, Starley, with Kamala yesterday? She just spiked like seven cents on no news at all. It it made me want to jump in and follow like somebody had some inside information, but she's so expensive right now. I know. Cause it, cause so, so the initial bump this past week was because she did a press conference, right? Um, and people liked that enough, I guess. She spoke out against police brutality. But you're right. Yesterday, she spiked up again, and I don't know... I don't know if it's just momentum. Yeah, it's something happened yesterday. Money definitely jumped in behind her. And then Bottoms is up big today. Now, there's a report in Politico that says that she's being vetted for VP, which is not a surprise, but obviously she's jumped. I'd be happy with that choice. And I will definitely lose money if it's her or Val Demings, but but I'll be happy to lose money. I do want to say for the record that my prediction that Biden was going to have to pick a VP because there was no news so he would have to provide news was mm. I incorrectly predicted that there was not going to be any news. That is what we call a fail take. <laughs> that was a huge fail take. Yeah. There's plenty of news now. We're blessed with an abundance of news. Can you even imagine a time when there was no news? No time for reflection. We have to keep moving on these news facts. Okay. We got to tackle the present. <laughs> Topic number three. 
We haven't even started the show. We're already on our third topic. That's how insane this is. Donald Trump, approval rating, massive gains. John Kimball, Long John Silver. Give us the helicopter Tony 30,000 foot view of what's going on with Donald Trump's approval ratings and how we can make money off of this. I mean, just bad poll after bad poll this week. He is at his worst approval since October of last year. In the 538 model, he is now 13 points underwater in his net approval. So that is going to affect him in all kinds of markets. I mean, a CNN poll came out today that has Biden up 14 points. And if, if that were actually true, then you would have states like Texas definitely being in play. I, I don't, I don't think that that's likely to occur. Uh, that might be where things are today, or it may just be partisan non-response bias, which is a, a phenomenon where the party that's doing not so well doesn't like to answer the phone. So it could just be a situation where the poll is inflated towards Democrats. But either way, He's not doing well. So, John, let me ask you a question. Unpredict it. Here's a market. What will Trump's lowest 538 end of day job approval rating be by June 30th? B1, bracket one. It's in the lead right now. 39.9% or lower. Should I buy that? The reason why that's in the, in the lead is because it's one of the tail brackets. So it has a long possibility. It, it's, it's hard for me to see him going much lower than this. I know. It's wild. I mean, Trump has not gotten into the 30s in a very long time, in 538. So I'm actually in that market. John, are you actually surprised by how low he is right now? Is this an official John Kimball actual surprise moment? These are very rare. If you're actually surprised, you need to let us know. Absolutely. I'm actually surprised that he's this low. Yeah. Wow. Long John Silver. I'm just surprised about everything this past week, honestly. I mean, I think I told you, David, I said, I think this will probably be over in a week. And here we are a week later, and it's clearly not over. Is it winding down? Maybe. I don't know. But it's not over in any sense, and it it doesn't even seem like it's winding down. I think the cops have had a lot to do with that. Oh, you think? Yeah. I think the cops have definitely motivated people and helped keep the energy high. Thank you, cops, for helping us keep our energy high. You're the best rallying squad and cheerleader team we could have ever hoped for. In terms of fucking this up, the cops basically played it perfectly. All you had to do was just stay away, but you couldn't help yourselves, and now you're probably going to get another week of protests on the streets of this country. And then totally defunded. Yeah, beft it. I went to a protest yesterday, though, that the cops did stay away from. It was 50,000 people yesterday at that protest in Hollywood. Really? Yeah. I mean, I saw the, the drone footage going down. I mean, it, it really did look like 50,000. Yeah. There were no cops. And it was so beautiful. <laughs> the way people were acting without anyone having to enforce anything. The vibe was so good. We walked all through Los Angeles, starting in Hollywood, and just kept going. I didn't even know where I was at the end. Then I had to walk back to my car. And I... I would love to hear about protests from other cities. If people want to write to us and tell us their experiences, I'm sorry to keep this so LA-centric. LA is a really weird city, and people are not generally out at night in Los Angeles. It's one of the problems I have with this city. It doesn't make any sense to me, and I'm such a walker, and I love to walk at night, and it's, it's, such, it's the biggest ghost town I've ever been in, Los Angeles. And we're still closed because of COVID. And so when I was walking back, it was 90 minutes of walking to get to my car, I didn't see a single person out that was not part of the protest. That was your commute 
back to your car to drive home after the protest was 90 minutes of walking. But because the city is closed, it felt like we were on the same side. It was just like, oh, this is what a new society is. You were in a temporary autonomous zone. Uh, Oh my God, you're right. You're an anarchist. You feel alive when you're in a temporary autonomous zone. A rush unlike any other. The TAZ. I loved it. I feel so wired from it. I walked 42,000 steps yesterday. Here we go. (laughs) Wow. As some of you know, John and I have a friend, Beckett's dad, who we thought had produced an unbreakable record of steps when he was at Disney World and he was about to go to bed and he was so close to 40,000, we told him to get out of bed and go hit that 40K because when else are you going to do it? And then Starly comes in with (laughs) 42,000. Beckett's dad better fly back down to Disney World, try to smash that record. I think 42,000 steps is like, it's as many steps as I've taken since the pandemic started yeah. in total. Same here. Yeah. That's a big number. Starley's putting big numbers up on the board. Big step numbers. 42,000 steps. I, I walked 42,000 steps and then still couldn't sleep last night. Well, probably because you were in incredible pain. I mean, the body, <laughs> no. human body is not meant to walk more than a thousand steps a day. I Our hunter-gatherer ancestors would just loll around under the baobab tree. They're not trying to walk 40,000 steps. It's unnatural. You're wired because your body's shrieking in agony, probably. No, my body is saying there's a better way and there's a new way to do things. What? And the new way is 42,000 steps a day. Forward. Even backwards, actually, because I had to walk back to my car. That analogy really falls apart. Topic number four. Minneapolis. Defunding police. Go. Yeah, a majority of the the Minneapolis uh, City Council came out and said that they want to start uh, disbanding the current uh, state up there police department. That was after the mayor got shamed. Right. The boy mayor showed up was asked by protesters whether he was willing to completely defund the police, said no, and they made him leave. They full Game of Thrones, shame, shame, shame him. Next topic. We have to keep moving. So we have 60 topics to get to. John Kimball. Okay. All right. All right. Next topic. Oh, my God. In spite of all these other changes that are going on in our nation, it wasn't enough topics, so the Lord blessed us with a true, it's not a conflagration, and it's not a conundrum, it's not a catastrophe, and yet it's not yet a miracle. What is this? This was breaking news last week when it started. All of a sudden, it looked like that Predict It was not going to be adding new weekly tweet markets, and it is at this point confirmed. All three of the weekly tweet markets are done with. The scene is dead. The tweet market scene is dead. It's a big deal. A lot of people are freaking out and they don't really know what to do, including myself. And we don't know why exactly it happened. We think it was probably something to do with the CFTC, but Predicted is always known for being very secretive. So they're not confirming anything. Predicted is a black box. But I mean, the amazing thing was two days after the tweet markets died, Trump went off on Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> and had over 200 uh, tweets in one day, which is his all-time record as president and his all-time record ever. I mean, just smashed his old record. Mr. Trump, we celebrate you. Congratulations on this achievement. You broke your personal best. You shattered the glass ceiling. More than 200 tweets in a single day. Ladies and gentlemen, a portrait of leadership. I mean, seriously, for that, you do have to give him credit. The man can tweet. Put aside your political differences. Put aside your personal prejudices against this man. This is something we can all agree on. 
That's an incredible achievement. But wait, so many of them are retweets. Yeah, but do, still, Starly, but Starly. It takes time to read the tweet and make a considered <laughs> decision as to whether it's worthy a presidential retweet. Do you know anyone who has tweeted or retweeted 200 times in a day? I don't know anyone. I've never seen anybody do it but him. And I'm on Twitter all the time. <laughs> the guy's operating on a whole other level, yeah. Starly. We, Starly, we think it's goat. great that you walked 42,000 steps. That's a wonderful achievement. But that's nothing compared to what the president did. 200 tweets. And he's the president of the United States. That's what's so inspiring about it. He also has a full-time job. No, no, no. This is his full-time job. He's not allowed to do anything else but this at this point. What are you talking about? He's the White House Bible courier. He has to take (laughs) Bibles to and from the White House. That's an important job. That's a sacred obligation. Even if he wasn't the president, it's amazing. You'd be amazed if I retweeted 200 things in a day. Wouldn't you be impressed? I'd be worried. Yeah. He's also not reading the tweets that he is retweeting. Yeah, he is. He's reading the tweets and then he goes to the article that the tweet links to and reads the article (laughs) to make sure he agrees with it and that it's sourced. And then he looks at the footnotes in the article and then he goes back to the original tweet and decides whether or not it's worthy of presidential retweet. He's doing that 200 times a day, Starly. You can't say he's not doing a good job. You just objectively cannot say he's not doing a good job. While he may not be researching them, he is definitely seeking them out because these these tweets, many of them, many of these retweets are years old. He's going to people's timelines and scrolling through them. I mean, the guy is a fiend. That that does impress me. I mean, you see a retweet in the middle of the night from 2014 and you're just like, what is going on? That's when you know someone's in a good headspace. He's still loving life. He's living his best life. I think it's because he walked 42,000 steps and then he can't sleep. Yeah, probably. That would be amazing if he showed up undercover at one of these protests. I mean, he's obviously terrific at walking. We can all say that. You take one look at him walking and you're like, this is a dude who was born to walk around because it looks great. It looks really natural. Standing. Posture looks normal. Big smile on his face, just enjoying a casual stroll. You know, like Immanuel Kant, the great uh, German philosopher, was a terrific walker. And they used to say that the townspeople would set their watches by his by his regular afternoon walk. Walking was an aid to his thinking. And, you know, in a way, it was foundational to German idealism. And we have the same type of person in the White House right now. We have the Immanuel Kant of tweeters. Truly blessed. Here's a listener question related to this tweet stuff. Some of you will remember listener Rob, who wrote in with a compelling story a few weeks ago about checking his phone in the parking lot of a nice pizza parlor to check the tweet markets. And I told him on that episode after reading his mail to stay away from the tweet markets. I banned him from the tweet markets. But lo and behold, on this historic week for the predicted Twitter markets, we got an update from Rob. So this email, ladies and gentlemen, he makes pains to say was written over the course of a couple different days. Keep that in mind. Rob writes, with mixed emotions, I'm writing with an update on me and the RDT tweet market. John, what does RDT stand for? Real Donald Trump, which is his Twitter handle. And and the other one is the POTUS market, which is the official president of the United States market. Rob says, by the time I heard the episode in which I had been banned, I was in too deep to quit. This is that requiem for a tweet shit that I've been talking about. This is that requiem for a tweet. (laughs) I ended up hanging in that market and making a couple hundred dollars. With confidence, I reinvested. Okay, that's when you know. Mm, is something bad about to happen to this dude? It hasn't been a straight line, but as of a few hours ago, I was up nearly $800 from the initial $100 I put in 
to this market. That's also about when I read that Predictor was going to stop doing the RDT tweet market. So I was maxed out at 209 tweets or less and killing it. I started selling incrementally as the price went up into the 60s and low 70s. Trump has been in his bunker lately, but I was sure after his Rose Garden speech about law and order, he would tweet some more. And he did. By the time he was retweeting Tom Cotton, I was all but out. Some time passed and I thought it would be safe to buy back in. I wanted to maximize the last hurrah. John, I know you felt the same way. I know you wanted to go out with a bang. This is like when a nightclub announces they're closing and you're like, then tonight I'm going to rage my face off at this nightclub and burn it all down, right? I wanted to maximize the last hurrah. And that's when the storm hit. The tweet storm pressed the price of 209 or less down into the 30s. So I bought. I kept buying as the price went lower knowing I was going to ride a glory wave of bunker silence into the coming late-night hours. We've discussed this before. There was no tweet access in the bunker. So our friend Rob here thought he was going to get out, make a killing by investing in low number of tweets. But I was wrong. Within an hour, the storm overtook me. This is like a Civil War documentary with uh, Ken Burns. Martha, within an hour, the storm overtook me. 209 or less dropped. And dropped as Trump maniacally retweeted everyone from the usual sycophants to even himself. I lost nearly $600 in one hour. I should have honored the ban. I'm no longer hanging on Trump's every tweet, and my portfolio is still doing okay because I bought a whole lot of shares of Susan Rice for vice president at two cents months ago. Dearest Robert, I'm in receipt of your missive. And verily, it pains my heart to read these words and know the pain you're in, I trust you'll understand two things. One, you're a goddamn idiot. Two, you should never ignore the wisdom of your older brother, Kid Midas. And as I sit here on the porch writing this letter with the shadows lengthening around me, I think with contempt of your arrogance, your hubris, as you try to ride, quote, one last glory wave of bunker silence. Rob, what even is that? I thought Ma and Pa raised us well to know when to approach a market and when to get the fuck out of a market. When I banned you from those Twitter markets, I trusted as your older brother you would heed my years of experience and wisdom thereby. But lo, your arrogance carried you astray, and now you've lost a breathtaking $600 in one evening's folly. Why, that $600 could have bought us a new team of oxen, or a thousand eggs, or a 20-foot-tall hen for slaughter. And now our cupboards are bare because of your arrogance. And so with a heavy heart, brother Rob, you leave me with no choice. Although we are brothers, united by bonds of blood, I must sever those bonds. You are hereby banned from listening to my podcast. I know we don't really understand what podcasts are yet or even electricity because we're dumb as fuck and we live in the 19th century, but put all that aside. Rob, you're banned from listening to election profit makers until such time as I can reconcile myself to the thought of your ears being receptive to my honeyed words of wisdom. Yours sincerely, older brother, Kid Midas. Next topic. Topic explosion sound. Senator Tom Cotton, New York Times op-ed and subsequent fallout. Long John Silver, what's your take on this media news topic? 
actually surprised or not surprised? I was actually surprised that this happened. I wasn't surprised that there was a big hubbub about it, but I was surprised that it resulted in James Bennett resigning his position. And who is James Bennett? The editorial page editor at the New York Times and and has been since 2016. He also hired Brett Stevens and uh, Barry Weiss. The bedbug blaster, Brett Stevens. And so he's been a a controversial editor, I think, at least to liberals. But he has resigned under pressure from uh, the fallout of publishing this Tom Cotton editorial, which apparently was not fact-checked or even read. He claims he did not read it. This was the op-ed where Senator Tom Cotton was like, military needs to go out on the streets and get law and order back, kill all these protesters. And a lot of New York Times journalists were pretty pissed off about that because they felt like it was actively putting people on the streets, including journalists, in danger because police have been targeting journalists. I think that's another example of the cops tripping over their dicks in such a massive, unforced error that it has alienated people who might otherwise be sympathetic to the cops. And everyone was mad at the New York Times. And the people, there's something so amazing about the people like Barry Weiss and Andrew Sullivan and David Brooks, their brand is like, I'm a smart grown up and I call it as I see it and I don't fall for this politically correct stuff. And their responses to people unloading on Senator Tom Cotton, the most basic high school debate team shit, like, I like reading, <laughs> David Brooks was like, I like to read opinions I disagree with in my newspaper. It causes me to think. It was like, oh, look at the <laughs> look at the brainiac who is caused to think by an op-ed. In the, who writes, it causes me to think? What kind of fucking sentence construction is that if you are a smart person? It causes me to think. You're trying to make it sound so much more powerful than it actually is. Yeah. These people just come across as so, like, shallow thinkers, like, like, dumb. And James Bennett's whole thing was bringing in people like Brett Stevens, fucking climate change denier, Barry Weiss. Not just a climate change denier, but but a lazy climate change denier. Just really bad, lazy, obvious takes. Stale takes. I mean, these takes were stale, guys. I mean, obviously, people on the left can have some stale takes. But when it comes to climate change, if you're going to deny climate change at this point in human history... You need to have a spicy hot take. This is not 1993 mega dittos calling into Rush Limbaugh like, I think it's a bunch of bullshit in the science. It's 2020, man. Have a fresh take if you're going to deny the Earth is a sphere. So James Bennett, it turns out, they asked Tom Cotton to write this op-ed. They solicited it. And then James Bennett turned right around and was like, yeah, we kind of fucked up because um, I didn't actually read it before it was published. And then people were like, this dude's about to be gaining. Of course, he didn't read it. That's terrible. But before he admitted that he didn't read it, he went out and defended his decision. How can you be out there defending your decision when yet you haven't read it? I mean, you're the director of the fucking op-ed page and you're like, okay, good news. We have a hot take. This is, truth be told, a hot take. We have a United States senator calling for the American military to be used against protesters. Looters. I don't know if he wanted them used against protesters. He said lawbreakers. And if you're out after curfew, even if you're peaceful, you're breaking the law. The whole point of the language was for people to read it and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kill them all. Right. It's like fucking Metallica. It's the Metallica strategy to containing these 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 protests. (laughs) 
So if I was James Bennett, you're about to metaphorically blow up a bomb on the op-ed page of your newspaper. Don't you want to read that before it explodes? That's the other reason why he deserves to be fired is that he didn't anticipate that this would happen. He still doesn't seem to understand that he got used by Tom Cotton in this instance. Oh my God. Tom Cotton walked away like such a champ. Troll level a 10,000. He played everybody. Yeah. Oh, it was brilliant. Because now he gets to be a First Amendment martyr. First, he's like, oh, everyone at the New York Times is mad at me for my amazing op-ed about just shooting the shit out of protesters. Oh, PC police have gone crazy. Hmm. Then James Bennett gets fired. Oh, my God. Nothing beats a spicy meatball. Tom Cotton came in with a spicy meatball. James Bennett didn't even taste it. Then you got David Brooks, who's the king of unsauced spaghetti. I hate to see spaghetti defend a meatball. So basic and dumb. Next topic. The mayor of D.C. Our notes say mural you can see from space. (laughs) As soon as I saw the Black Lives Matter mural, I went straight to predict it. You finally understand how to process information, Starley. (laughs) John has taught you well. And I went, I scrolled, I went to the VP nominee market. I scrolled all the way down. I was expecting Muriel Bowser, who's the mayor of D.C., and she's not on there. And I don't understand it. You need to send an email to Brandy. Markets at predictit.org. Next topic. Just when you thought things couldn't get any more insane, via Twitter, we have some Skyline-related news from Bali, Indonesia. We had a teacher over in Bali write us and say they were a big fan of election profit makers and did a mini Skyline end-of-year fun contest with my third graders. The kids nominated 10 Skyline choices, and then they voted. Figured you might be interested. That's an understatement. Teachers sent us a pie chart of these third graders' top 10 favorite Skylines. These kids don't know shit about Skylines, okay? I don't know, man. They got the first one right for sure. They got Hong Kong. Really? The second one is a little bit of a surprise. Oh, you think? Hartford, Connecticut. I think there's some bad... We all remember Edward Tuft and his classic book, Visualizing Information. I think there's some bad data presentation in this chart because the skylines on the right-hand side are ranked number one, Hong Kong, number two, Hartford. But number nine, Singapore, when you look at the pie chart, is actually number one with 20.8%. Yeah. Woo, we have a skyline pie chart problem. Okay, but wait a minute, wait a minute. I... I think it's important to recognize that if you click on this Google site, I think it might still be open to voting. Oh, my God. They sent us the actual. New York is not on this chart. New York got to. <laughs> I mean, it's in- it's incredible. You think Mayor de Blasio, it's not like he doesn't have enough to worry about. I mean, his poor performance with these protests and COVID. These third graders in fucking Indonesia <laughs> were probably like, nah, fuck New York. We're not putting New York on our skyline pie chart. Fuck Bill de Blasio. Now he's going to get some little memo that says, bad news, sir. We didn't know when to tell you, but we might as well tell you now, as long as everyone's just (laughs) spitting on you and dumping on you. These kids in Singapore didn't even, New York skyline didn't even rank (laughs) on this fucking pie chart that these third graders put together. (laughs) But Cuomo, let's, let's look at the egg. Let's put Albany on, like our guy said a couple weeks ago. I mean, and it's, it's a particular finger in the eye to have Hartford and Philadelphia (sighs) two and three. I know. It's incredible. And New York, not even present. Oh, de Blasio is killing New York's brand. And San Francisco's sneaking in at number 10. Yeah, John, how do you feel about that? I think San Francisco's got a good skyline. I like San Francisco in there. I like Philadelphia in there. Hartford, I'd love. (laughs) 
I love Hartford being in there. That's like such John Kimball bait. I love it. <laughs> it's so exciting. Busan, South Korea. You weren't expecting that, were you? No. Are you familiar with the Busan, South Korea skyline? No, I was not, but I definitely am now. <laughs> so thank you to these kids for educating me. And this picture of Jakarta, Indonesia, check it out, man. <laughs> it's awesome. It's thick, thick with buildings. <laughs> Next topic. This is huh, John Kimball. Yeah. Starley has not yet seen Frog Princess. Nope. June 5th, Friday night, the commissioner of the NYPD sent out a tweet. These are not the tools of peaceful demonstrators. Conversely, these are the tools of criminals bent on causing mayhem and hijacking what we all know is a worthwhile cause. These items were seized from individuals arrested in the Bronx last night. And then we have some photos of items arranged on a tabletop. We see old-timey handcuffs, a hammer, a pocket knife, a flashlight. We see lighter fuel and rustoleum. We see a backpack. We see a wrench. <laughs> and then in the middle... We see Frog Princess. What, what is Frog Princess? We didn't know what it was at first. What she is, what she is. Intrigued. She, she's, a, she's a tool of anarchy is what she is. Whoa. David sent me an image of a ball with eyes and a mouth. Frog Princess is a firework. It shoots sparks out of her head and her eyes and mouth light up. She looks like if Pac-Man was addicted to crystal meth. I mean, she, she looks so sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> and the amazing thing is that the NYPD, I think, pulled off the label above the mouth that says Frog Princess. Because when you look at the photo, she looks all grimy and old and nasty. Except the strip where the label used to be is like brand new and shiny. You know what I mean? Like when you keep a sticker on something for a long time and it gets all dusty and then you pull the sticker off and it looks brand new. I think that's what they did because they were about to take this photo and somebody was like, man, we can't be trying to make these demonstrators look scary and have this huge thing that looks like Pac-Man that says frog princess <laughs> with these blue googly eyes. Her express... <laughs> Her expression is so unscrutable. It's like the Mona Lisa times a thousand. Like, what is she thinking? Her mouth looks slack. It's not really a grin. And it's not really ravenous like Pac-Man. You know Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man. When they open their mouth, it's like, oh, they're about to eat some dots. They look hungry. Frog Princess looks kind of slack-jawed or stunned. She is serious trouble. She really is. It was just one of those things. It was a Friday night. It had been a long week and it just hit at the right time. And we could not stop laughing. I fell into an ecstasy. I fell into an absolute ecstasy just thinking about Frog Princess and her dazed, dead eyed expression. She has shark's eyes. She has a doll's eyes. And thinking about how the police were probably like, do we put Frog Princess on this table of intimidating items? I mean, <laughs> she is an explosive device. On the other hand, she is named Frog Princess. Mm, it's just, oh. Portland Police Department, not to be outdone, tweeted a picture of some of the menacing objects that they found over the course of their protests. <laughs> And they had the usual things like a brick, you know, it's probably not a great idea to throw a brick at a cop. Uh, they also had a can of garbanzo beans. <laughs> someone, someone was trying to turn a cop's head into a bowl of hummus and an apple with a bite taken out of it. 
And I will say it was a Granny Smith apple. And there are plenty of times when I've taken that first bite of a green Granny Smith apple and been like, oh, wait a minute, Hornswoggle again. This apple is bullshit. And I'll just toss it. I think they took a bite out of the apple because they were trying to make their own homemade frog princess. Exactly. (laughs) And the final thing I want to say about frog princess, and this is what truly blew my mind when I realized it was at one point I made a mistake and referred to her as Princess Frog, but that's not who she is. Princess Frog is an individual. Frog princess is a job. Your job is to be the princess of all frogs. So you already have a power that most of us will never attain in this lifetime. Imagine holding dominion over all frogs. And then you're made out of firecrackers and you have blue googly eyes and you're trying to bring down the state with your Antifa comrades. And you can't even get us started on the fact that she also has a husband. There's also a frog prince and there's even tadpoles you can buy. You could have the whole family. But frog princess, of course, is now uh, currently sold out. George Soros placed a $500 million order for Frog Princess. And now we've come to the point in the topics heavy show where all we do is list topics. The topics are just the topics. COVID still exists. Reopening while all this crazy shit is happening. Ivanka Trump's graduation speech, one of the great moments in American oratory. Confederate monuments being torn down and and taken down. There was the topic of the old man getting pushed down by the cops. There was the topic of the 57 cops resigning because the two cops that pushed down the old man were suspended. Then there was a topic where it turned out those 57 cops resigned because the police union took away their protection. And then the police union spun it to make it look like the 57 cops resigned in solidarity with the two cops. There's topics on top of topics. It's too many topics. This is like the monkey's paw. But we love it because maybe when times are changing and and justice is happening on a scale that most people didn't think possible because they're too plugged into the traditional party system of political change, maybe this is what it feels like. Maybe the revolution or or progressive change is fueled by topics. Maybe it runs on topics and we just need to generate more topics. When I when I see the statues, the monuments being taken down, that really feels like the topics revolution is here because those monuments were always here. And now people are like, oh, wait, we just take them down. Right, yeah. We can, exactly. We're just taking them down. That doesn't feel like anarchy. That just feels like we, we don't want the stuff that is bad here anymore. We just spent three months... Not having society. This is what I think. I think we spent those three months inside. And what we hoped was that it wasn't that we wanted to return to how things were. It went from when are things going to get back to normal to wait, back to normal. There's something wrong with back to normal. And I think three months actually worked. I think we actually went through some introspection. I think something happened to us. Something happened where we came out into the world and did not want it to be the same. And so when you come, when you've been inside for three months and then you come out again and you see a monument of a slave owner, you're going to take that shit down. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't want it anymore. It's like you're not allowed to go to the mall for three months and then you go back into the mall and you're like, this is still just a bunch of fucking footlocker and Cinnabons. Yeah. Fuck this. If I waited so long, I want to go to a good mall. Maybe that's what we're doing. We're building a better mall. <laughs> yeah. Because why else weren't we just tearing down the monument? I know we were trying before, yeah. but now it's just like, No. No more of this. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And maybe we needed three months sitting in our living rooms watching Parks and Recreation to jump off the treadmill long enough to be like, oh, it doesn't have to be this treadmill. It doesn't even have to be a treadmill. I think also because people didn't work. Right. Yeah. We had 
I mean, wonderful. Thank you. So grateful for essential workers. But so many people weren't working. And I think that also cleared people's heads. Sure. Right. They actually had the space. I mean, we're about to hit, hit a recession. There's a lot of panic in our future. But I think when you're not having to do stuff that is just in service of something else, you actually get to think about what world you want to live in. I, I have to say I am feeling hope. Optimism level is what for you, Starly? One through 10 optimism. Pretty high. I mean, I did just walk 42,000 steps, so. Right. You're still buzzing. <laughs> your rush. It's pretty high because I, this week I haven't been consumed by Trump. I think he is going to lose and I will put my money on where my mouth is and I'll invest in that market today. But even if he doesn't, I don't think he, it, it started with him and I don't think it, it ends because he loses. I think the real work that's being done is our brains are changing. I think there is something deeper shifting right now. And that's where my hope is coming from. John, do you feel optimistic? Yeah, I'm optimistic. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going to change. I think Trump is going to lose. Um, I'm glad that there's all this energy. I hope it continues. Long John Silver was surprised a lot this week. And I take that as a good sign. Me too. It's actually like how I am kind of taking the temperature of this country. It's how often people are surprised. Like, holy shit, they burned down the police station? (laughs) They threw that statue in England into the river? It's your own changing perception of what you will tolerate or think is reasonable. If you're an old fuddy-duddy, you've been like, "Mm, I don't know about these people throwing Frog Princess at the police. Frog Princess is a known Antifa killer. And then you kind of switch and you're like, you know what? Frog Princess for Sheriff, man. Let her run everything. Let's have a new model of community-based policing. It's just Frog Prince and Frog Princess sparkling all around. A constant companion in these times of trouble. Frog Princess. She's the queen of Antifa, and we love her so much. I don't have a bet of the week. There were too many topics. I think I'm just going to go for an old chestnut of Trump loses. Whoa, Starley goes back to a classic, playing the oldies here (laughs) on Cucumber County Morning Zoo. The hits of the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and today. John, what's your bet of the week? I had to get into these polling markets now that the tweet markets are gone. Mm. Oh, boy. You have to feed your addiction. <laughs> I bought a, into a couple of these brackets. I bought yes into B3 and B4. I don't think Trump's going to go lower than 40.5% approval. So I think one of these brackets that I'm in is going to win. Do you just um an off predicted side side bet? Do you guys think Trump is going to do his race relations speech this week like he is threatening? I think uh, if he does do it, it's going to it's going to go it's gonna really well and he's going to do a good job and knees. he's definitely not going to reverse himself in three minutes. I pray on my knees that he gives a speech about racism and brings us together. I can't imagine anyone I would want. I mean, Stephen Miller's got to just be biting his own dick off in frustration (laughs) if he has to write a speech about. No, I don't think it'll happen. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. You can send your election prediction questions and comments, including skyline questions and comments, to contact at electionprofitmakers.com, or you can DM us via Patreon. We have a relationship, of course, with Predicted.org. You can go to www.predicted.org slash promo slash EPM20 and receive up to $20 in matching funds for your investments. Patreon is a great website where you can support your favorite creators, including the Morning Zoo Cucumber Crew. Go to patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. 
And if anyone has a sighting of Frog Princess in the wild, please let us know because I'm about to become a, a biologist about Frog Princess. One final note, we got a lovely message from one of our Patreons, Donna Lee. Her friend Dan and her used to listen to this podcast and Dan passed away. And Dan was a proud owner of a Pod Save America COVID mask, but also appreciated our stance against those masks. So we just wanted to say, Dan, rest in peace and thanks for listening. And this episode's dedicated to him. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Bye, Starly. Bye, John. Bye. Bye.